I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm Tamara Thomas, editor-in-chief of UrbanHealthToday.com, part of the DocWire family of medical news sites. And I want to thank you for tuning in to Urban Health Weekly. Our goal each week is to keep you informed of the latest in health and medical news right from today's headlines. It's time to empower yourself with open conversations about your medical care with news that matters to you. So are you ready? Let's get started. Hi, I'm Tamara Thomas, and welcome to Urban Health Weekly, where we talk about medical news and health topics that matter to you. I'm here with Jackie and Lou. How are you guys? Hey, good. How are you guys doing? Good, good. Excellent on this side. Nice. Beautiful day. That's good. I'm, topics. I'm, I know, we have a lot to cover. So today we're going to... We were going to talk about um, plant-based diet going wrong, but <laughs> I want to change course for a second because something came across my computer um, recently that I feel like is a little more pressing that I wanted to talk about. But first, I wanted to ask you guys if anyone has been watching the HBO series House of Dragons. No. Have you guys been watching? Oh, my God. I'm going to take you guys nerd points away. Like, you're kidding me here. <laughs> you're not watching House of Dragons? I'm sorry. I apologize. So- oh, my God. Well, there goes that damn. Oh. So the well, last I, I, I plan on starting. I was busy watching Break- Breaking Bad. I finished that. I was going to do Better Call Saul. All right. Breaking so now I Bad. Do- were you living under a rock breaking bad? Well, because I watched it with my kid, even though it's sort of inappropriate, but it, you know, it's Shakespearean and quite, yeah, you know, that's yeah. what I'm saying. It's really good. So drama. now we're going to start Better Call Saul. So it's watch actually, it believe it or not, better than Breaking Bad. That's what I'm hearing. So we're excited about that. He already the knows what he wants to be for Halloween, that kid from Breaking Bad. I said, oh boy. He wants to be Saul Goodman? No. Guessing? Keep guessing. Um, the the guy with the bell. Ding 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 ding. Oh that my guy. god! He wants to be Salamanca. Yes. Yes. He's he incredible. wants to be Salamanca. <laughs> His whole front story or backstory, whatever is it? It's really good. Saw. Yeah, it's been it's season been three. Saw. You get you get him. You get him like the whole his whole story, all the nuttiness, everything. The okay. only thing that I can't get behind in Better Call Saul, honestly, is it's supposed to be a prequel show. Yes. But everybody is so old. <laughs> like, come on, you couldn't, you couldn't suspend that disbelief. That's no, I had, I, had, I had a lot of difficulty suspending my disbelief that it just was, it just didn't come to give. But it is, oh. it really is a great show. It really okay. is a great show. Shakespearean also, right? And more oh. character driven versus yeah. plot driven, right. I heard. Okay. And um, yeah. So anyway, I'm still going to talk about House, yeah, of, House of Dragons. I want to hear this. This is a prequel to get Game of Thrones. Uh, I know you, Lou, I know you didn't watch Game of Thrones at all. I'm st- I, I still I, talk I watched about some it. of it. I watched 
Did you watch Game of Thrones, Jackie? I did watch some of it. And and uh, and, oh, and we it? gathered for the big, well, because we gathered for the big finale. So mm -hmm. that's another thing I'm going to start from the beginning. But uh, uh, did you experience that whole thing where the internet crashed or whatever, the streaming crashed while you were trying to watch House of Dragons? I did not. Oh, did okay, good. Recently? Yeah, apparently on its big like opening night, that was a thing. Yeah, and people were like... <laughs> With Game of Thrones, I used to block out nine o'clock on Sunday night. Wow, that's I old school TV. Don't viewing. call me, don't text me. I'm watching Game of Thrones. <laughs> now with uh, the House of Dragons, I'm you know I still watch it, but I don't. It's not like I have to get to it on Sunday night with everyone. Else. Remember, they used to call that must see TV. Must see TV, <laughs> yeah. And it is must see, but it's streaming. So, you know, I, I it, unfortunately I have to, you know, like I you have, have to, life. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I had a life then too, Game of Thrones, but with, with House of Dragons, my, you know, things that I have to do are a little more pressing. Right. So I can't simply just block out that hour. Like I used to be able to. Right. So, so I, so I watch it, but I watch it when I can watch it. But okay. I try to watch it before all the spoilers and by the way this is going to be a spoiler so if you haven't seen it yet too bad for you spoiler <laughs> so the last one i saw not the i don't i, I think which was number three or number mm -hmm. yeah it was number three and um it time it time jumped forward okay so um in the first one the king um viserys lost his wife to try and they're questing his quest to try to have an heir because you know mm -hmm. heirs are very important you gotta have a son to you know be king right and the second one he, he decided to make his daughter well actually no that was the first one all right i'm, I'm not sure of though which one which episode but what happened is viserys became the king he had to have an heir unfortunately during childbirth the baby became breached so he lost mother and the boy Ooh. um so he named his only daughter his heir okay. which rankled all the men because they don't want a woman they don't want that precedent want the, right they want to keep the tradition of male heirs so and so forth so you know there's a lot of palace intrigue they're trying to get him to marry and so forth he finally does take a bride it happens to be his daughter Rhaenyra's, uh bff who her father was the um the hand of the king who he'd been pushing her towards like go see him and make sure you wear your mother's dress and all this other you know like pulling the strings behind the scene right so now fast forward time jump she's the queen they had a little boy and um Rhaenyra's is worried that he's going to basically marry her off she doesn't want to get married because she doesn't want to be pushed aside mm -hmm. you know for a little boy and he assures her, I'm not going to push you aside. So in any event, that's not the cool part of the show. The cool part of the show was his brother, Damon, who was supposed to be his heir. But because of some rumor, something happened at a body house, although they didn't call it body houses back then. Um, he said something out of turn and, you know, just drunk talk, but it got back to the king. The king got angry and sent him to one of their estates and was like, Rhaenyra's is going to be my heir. <laughs> and so now he's, he was the head of the army. So now he's created his own little fiefdom. Okay. In his part of the world and so on and so forth. Anyway, they get into some war because some guy called the crab king is like basically killing all these sailors. 
Um, and so they decide to go. So what happens now is Damon, who's a madman, in a good way though, he's a madman, okay. um, decides to go. They've got the dragons and all of that. They decide to go. Um, and you know, the, the consensus is look, you got us into this war, you're gonna have to be a decoy to flush them out of these caves because the dragons, the the, the fire can only go so far, and they're just hunkered down hiding in the caves. So he sacrifices himself up. Or at least that's what I thought he was doing because he got a letter from his brother saying, I'm going to send you some aid. So when I first saw it, I thought, oh my God, he'd rather die than get aid from his brother. Wow. It was a complete decoy. So like as soon as they got close enough, he starts offing them. And then it's oh. like a big fight. And then uh, the next thing you know, they all start coming out because the, you know how sometimes when you're so close to something, you can almost just taste it. Yes. So the, the crab king starts sending everyone out of the caves to go after him because at least he's just like he's just cutting them down. Ooh. So it's like this whole planned attack. So while they're busy trying to go after him, the army now shows up and decimates them. And then he goes in after the um, after the crab king, drags out his body. It was completely very satisfying. It was almost like the Battle of the Bastards. Maybe not as good as the Battle of the Bastards, but it was like up there with the Battle of the Bastards. Ah. The Battle of the Bastards in Game of Thrones. Yes, I did. So you're so, really enjoying yeah, it was this. really satisfying. Oh. Well, part of the satisfaction is I had no idea what he was doing. He saw the letter. He got angry. He, he you know, you know, when they say don't shoot the messenger. He starts yes. shooting the messenger. He shot the messenger. He shot the messenger. The messenger. I <laughs> and feel sorry for the messenger. With his sword and he's handing them his sword. And I was like, oh my God, he'd rather die than take aid from his brother. But that wasn't it at all. It was like, I have to win now. I have to show him that I can do it without him. I don't want him to send his reinforcements and feel like he has to bail me out. I, this has this has to be it. So wow. that was really exciting. Sorry for the spoiler, people. <laughs> be watching. So on to the news. Are you aware of the Centaur the Centaurus variant? Uh, it's the Omicron subvariant called BA two point seven five. Oh, 2.75. Yeah. Oh, where is that coming out of? Do we know it's where, where out are the outbreaks? Oh gosh, yeah. that's the world's biggest democracy. So, and it's so populated. Isn't it yeah. the most populated continent? I believe so, yes. Wow. Well, listen to this. A few scientists are sounding the alarm, whereas others say it's too early to tell whether the variant will spread widely. In India, it doesn't yet seem to be driving up hospitalization or death rates. But I want to point out again, that they are not Western people. The diets are different. Oh. Okay? This is the same thing I said about Omicron when it was coming out of South Africa. Yeah. It may be, maybe it's not killing people there, but that doesn't mean we're losing 30 people a day, at least here in New York. Still. Right. So let's not, and that's just, that's the BA5. So let's not assume that because it's not killing people in India that it's not going to kill us with our you know standard American you know western diets here okay BA 2.75 has been detected in more than 20 countries worldwide and researchers are waiting to learn whether it will substantially elevate case numbers after a wave of infections with the BA 5 
A slew of studies suggest that the two variants have roughly similar capacities to dodge immunity conferred by infection and vaccination. This suggests that Centaurus might not push cases much higher outside India, at least not while population immunity is high and before the variant picks up many extra mutations. Surveillance of SARS-CoV-2 variants is falling by the wayside in many countries, but India seems to be at the epicenter of the spread of BA 2.75. This mutation-laden lineage evolved from the BA 2 subvariant of Omicron, which spread widely in early 2022. So far, BA 2.75 has been detected at relatively low rates outside India in countries including Japan, the United States, the United Kingdom, which are in the middle of or just past the peaks of surges caused mainly by BA5. As of July, it's been detected in European countries, including the UK and Germany. You know, I realize that that we in the West have moved on. We have fatigue. Yeah, like I just saw on the on the uh, the, the subway, the New York City Transit is going to be rolling out a you do you thing in terms of like you don't have to wear a mask or you. Wow. I'm not okay. a fan of it, but you know, it's election season right now, and I guess they're, you know, catering for the masses. Um, you know, but we should at least be aware that there's another variant um that's okay. you know that that's yeah, that's out there. Well, uh, when when it comes to you know uh, parts of big parts of Africa and um countries like India, you know, we have to look at the economic conditions of these countries um, and compare them to our norms. Uh, first of all, both these countries are much, much younger in average age yes. than people in the United States uh, for by about 10 to 15 years. So guess what? On the average, while we have a very high amount of elderly people, those countries are a little bit younger and newer than us on the average. So, so you have to look at that. Number two, weight is a lot less in those countries. People are a lot less sedentary. Yes. Not as much public transportation. So you got to walk to where you're going. Um, there's the poor, the percentage of poor people is much larger, but it's not subsidized poor like we have here in the United States where the government gives you a subsidy and you can go to a supermarket and, you know, in many cases buy food that's not good for you. Over there, yeah, you know, your your poor is very poor, and they're they're eating, you know, fruits and, and they're things. probably eating like from the land, right? It's probably a less profitable. A lot of it from the land and a lot from that. So what happens is, I, I'm not saying it's healthier. Um, you know, there's pros and cons to that, but it is a lot less fat fat free. Um, so probably you know, less you, more sugar free. Yeah, well, think of it this way. Your percentages of, of fruits is a lot higher than it is here. Here, you know, you're starting to eat processed junk. Uh, right. Um, yeah, you know, that that really is not that good for you. The stuff that you put in your mouth is, is already processed. Um, so, so there's a complete difference in weight. There's a complete difference in what diseases uh, flow there. The other thing that we have to look at is when it comes to Asia and Africa, it's also a little disturbing that all of these variants seem to emanate over there. And we, we've got to say, okay, why? Are you sure that's what's happening? Are you sure? Or, or is it that they're actually reporting it? Well, you know, it's, 
I, you know, when we look at COVID and we've done all that research, it started in China. And a lot of these variants, you know, they, they do take them down to patient zero and to where they're reported and where they first become prevalent. And they, you know, evidence points that they are emerging there. So, you know, to the, since there's nothing to the contrary, uh, evidence also points that when we say that it's not here, that's not true. It's just that there isn't enough people to pick it up. But right. the prevalence of the disease is over there before it is over here. Um, and that's, that is what we're seeing. So we got to start asking ourselves, why is it that this disease is mutating so fast, uh, faster even than the flu, and where we're getting three to four strains a year, um, where with the flu, we usually only got one strain a year. I wonder if it's, if it's um, well, it's an elegant virus, but also I wonder if, it's, if it has to do with any recombination you know, where two viruses, you know, get together and just make a whole new strain. Beats me, I don't know, or, or reinfection or, or what, what, you know, what. Because the mutations of this are really astounding. Yeah, is it just mute more quickly than any other viruses around? Well, as he was just pointing out, yeah, it moves faster yeah. than the flu. And we haven't been able to really tackle the flu. I mean, we've been able to manage it, but we'll never get rid of it. Yeah. And, right. and how many people are asymptomatic and carry this stupid thing? And right, and like you know, for example, yeah, I, I've uh, allegedly had it two or three times, but I never felt anything. That's why I say alleged. Wow. Um, yeah. And you know, God bless, knock on wood. But have I had it five times and not known? You, you uh, know. Ah, yes. Unless unless somebody tells me to look and check and all that, I you know. I right. just carry on about my day. Back to our theory, it's good to be Lou. <laughs> like, he's so know, right? He's like, I'm just walking around, no problem. My, my genome on. Uh, on uh, <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, th those are questions we got to ask ourselves. Are, are we here in the West, because we're so vaccinated, also helping to the reproduction of this disease by having it and not, not yeah. even know we have it? Yeah, that's a good point. You, you know, it's it's like, almost unheard of. I, I mean, I, you know, I follow Major League Baseball last year. Everybody was out a week cause of COVID. I haven't heard anybody be out of a day cause of COVID anymore. Um, and, um, you know, people just having it and keeping on with their lives. Well, speaking of, of not getting sick from COVID, noses might be kids' secret weapons against COVID. Ah, the linings of kids' noses are better able than those of adults to guard against SARS-CoV-2 infection, Australian researchers report. Children have a lower COVID-19 infection rate and a milder symptoms than adults, but the reasons for this have been unknown, said study co-author Kirsty Short of the University of Queensland. We've shown the lining of children's noses has a more pro-inflammatory response to the ancestral SARS-CoV than adult noses. She said researchers found major differences by age when comparing participants' response to COVID variants. They recently published their findings in the journal PLOS Biology. Um, is that because kids have extra schnotty noses if they're pro-inflammatory? I well, maybe they have more mucus snotty noses because of the pro-inflammatory. For the study, they exposed samples of nasal lining cells from 23 healthy children 
and 15 healthy adults for SARS-CoV-2. The virus replicated less effectively in the children's cells and the antiviral response was greater. Short added that the expression of virus-fighting genes may change due to metabolic differences between children and adults. Interestingly, the study found that the Delta variant of COVID was significantly less likely to replicate in kids' nasal cells than in adults. This pattern, however, was noticeably less pronounced with the more contagious Omicron variant that is now predominant around the world. Taken together, it shows children's nasal linings support lower infection and replication of ancestral SARS-CoV-2, but this may be changing as the virus evolves. Ah. Said more research in a larger population is needed to validate these findings and to determine the role of other factors such as antibodies in protecting children from SARS-CoV-2 infection. Well, that may explain why my little one snuggled up against me that entire week when I was sick. And, and it was no problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> By the way, you know, thinking about what Lou said, I have an interesting theory about something. So you know how, um, you know why most people of color, I think, are more susceptible to the virus? I think it's because we tend to have wider noses. So like if you think about it, European noses has evolved to slow down the amount of cold air that gets in. So wouldn't the same be said for viral particles that you just get less viral particles because you have thinner noses? I don't know. I don't know. But the one thing is that the young nose versus the old nose, uh, a lot of the, yeah, whatever it is, the sensors, the little hairs that, um, that uh, trigger our sense of smell are there as you know young people have uh, oh they have more cilia or like just hair the, oh the nape yeah, the they, nostril the hairs. hairs and the, and the yeah. cilia and mm -hmm. all that is there's a lot more than the younger people i'm wondering if that had it just like taste buds uh, uh so the you know the older you get the less acute your sense of smell gets and that's probably, why probably less ace2 receptors in your nasal passage also yeah so the nose itself is a lot more um I guess, effective for a younger person. I'm wondering what part of it is the part that's protecting them from disease. Um, you know, it's just, just, just a thought, you know, there's not enough evidence to uh, go one way or the other, but I'm just wondering, you know, what, what is the science here? Yeah. But are there more, are there more children of color who are, who are getting the disease than other children? That I don't know. I know that population to population, that more people of color contract the disease and get sick from it than than white uh, children and adults. Yeah, but a lot of that, yeah, you know, based on a lot of, uh, you know, and we we do have a few articles on that uh, in terms of life and life expectancy on the site uh, that kind of tie into this um, with the uh, Indian American Indian population. But what's been happening in those populations is that comorbidities. Yeah, the comorbidities are much, much higher. But then if that's the case, then children with asthma, you would think would be more susceptible to COVID and they're not, right? Aren't they more susceptible to COVID? But that's Aren't what they that's more susceptible to the happening? Well, susceptibility and wait, 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 wait. Maybe it's complications. Maybe I'm confusing complications versus susceptibility for kids. Susceptibility meaning that you're more, more likely, likely to get, get it. it. Yeah. Right. Okay. 
you'd be more predisposed to get it. Doctors thought that asthmatics would be, you know, much in a much more compromised position, but that has not bore out throughout mm. the pandemic. Yeah. And and then we, we have to start asking ourselves this question. If you've been living on Earth for the last three years, maybe not in the space station, but if you've been living on Earth for <laughs> the last three years, what is the probability of you having had COVID at least once, whether you know it or not? Ah, and I'm convinced that there are people who've had some COVID and didn't know they had COVID. I have no idea. Is not everybody all. tests? This guy. No, no. I don't think everyone tests. Nah. Wait, that's what why, I'm saying. Why am I going to test if I feel fine? That's what I'm saying. I'm sure because people aren't like proactive about testing. Right. I'm sure people have had it. And oh yeah, there's a home. lot more people um, it's that that probably tested and insist they never had it because they didn't know yeah, they because they, they had didn't it. get sick from it. Exactly. Right. Right. So if we I probably didn't yeah. notice the symptoms, probably thought, oh, it's just a little sniffle or oh, right. They attributed it to something else. Exactly. Right. So if we go, you know, let's throw the number at 70% here. Hmm. Okay. Have had it at least once, whether they know it or not. Right. That means the planet is becoming a planet of COVID survivors. You know, ah. then throw out the, the percentage of the people who've had it a second time, whether they know it or not. You know, you, you start saying, okay, vaccines or no vaccine, then you throw in vaccines. Mm-hmm. Are we becoming, are we toughening up to this? So are we becoming like leather? Uh, are we though, becoming where it's becoming like the flu? Is that what you're getting at? I'm saying is it becoming like the flu or even milder? I mean, I've had the uh, flu where, where I'm I don't, know, about out, I don't know if we're there yet. I think, well, look, I think we're going to get there. I don't know that we're there yeah. yet. Yeah, I, I think the, the one main difference between this and the flu, because the flu is just as deadly or was deadlier. I mean, you know, if you get the flu, you've got that 2%, 1% to 2% chance of dying. Mm-hmm. And um, the same with COVID, first COVID. The first round of COVID was a little, believe it or not, a little milder than yes, yes. in terms of that. That That's was the true. first round. The, yeah. These last couple of rounds are nothing compared to the flu. What I do believe is that... and and I'm saying this without uh, a paper of statistics in front of me, Mm -hmm. I believe that COVID is much more transmissible than the flu, meaning it's easier to get. So Uh if you're at a party with 20 people and one person has COVID, I bet you 10 of them will end up with COVID. If you're in a party with 20 people and one of them has the flu, maybe three of them get the flu. So I think that COVID is a bit more transmissible. In terms of deadly, I would say it's a little less deadly at this stage of the game after a bunch of mutations and after people toughening up. And, and but you know, couldn't there just be some new mutation that comes along that's just extra yeah. deadly and or, maybe, or more just it might be more transmissible but not necessarily. And maybe deadly. the people that were genetically susceptible to it started dying out. I mean, oh. you gotta think about it because you know, everybody knows somebody who was. You yes, know, and, and everybody, again, somebody who knew somebody's cousin or something, everybody, but yeah. everybody knows somebody who got the COVID and they were perfectly healthy and then they were dead or almost died or something. Yes, Especially everybody knows somebody. The early onset. And what we haven't discovered yet, maybe we'll never will because they didn't take genetic samples from these people, is was there a genetic predisposition to COVID? And because so many people have gotten it, have we bred out that? genetic predisposition 
Anyway. Hold on. Hold so, on. That's a, that's a really loaded. I bred out. Those people are dead. So they're not. Oh, gosh. That's a loaded. Yeah, the, the, the disease has only been around for a few years. What, all right. So all what? the people that genetically. What are you talking about breeding out? Well, the people that, that were. That takes generations no, for something to happen like that. The people that were genetically predisposed are dead. So they're not going to breed anymore. Oh, for heaven's sake. Oh, oh so they don't boy. leave children behind? You well, realize how many children were left their behind children may not be, as a result uh, of the pandemic? Their children may not have that trait. You know, who knows? I think you should be extremely careful, Lou. That was one heck of a loaded. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh my God. I think you should be extremely careful. How? You're stepping into eugenics territory here. No, I'm not here. stepping into eugenics territory. You what kind I'm saying of are. That you're saying that, the, that the, just you're saying that the strongest survive. And that no, the, I'm not saying that the strongest the, the survive. The wheat and the chaff. All right, been, you're saying no, the most adaptable. What I'm saying is that to any and every disease, we don't understand this, but there's always a group of people that are immune to it. Why? I don't know. You know, there's always that one person that could be in a room with a bunch of people with COVID and that person never catches it. We don't know why. Are you talking about like a typhoid Mary situation? Yes, something like that. So there's that person. Now on the other side, there's that one person that's healthy as, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, yeah, and there's no reason for them yeah. to have. They didn't even have complications. got yes. COVID and died. They were at the yes. point of life. They were 30 years old. Oh, they got I see. COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the way. And, and what I'm saying is, and this is where, I, and this is, it's not, it's, it's, gene, it's genetics to know. I mean, I've always okay. said there's research to show and research to know. Mm-hmm. And research to show, I always get very skeptical about because you start out with a premise and you try to prove your premise. Right. Ah. Research to know, you just do the research and whatever comes out, comes out. Okay. However, you've got to do a hell of a lot more of it than research. Ah, uh, That's your synthesis versus deduction yeah. so argument. Yeah. What I'm saying is <laughs> that a lot of the people that were highly susceptible to the COVID, meaning the COVID the COVID hospitalize them and kill them yeah you know it's like me being allergic to almonds or something you know it was mm-hmm. it, it's like whatever those people were allergic let's call it allergic to COVID the people that got that COVID passed away and they passed away right away in this thing everybody in the plant let's assume everybody in the plant right it. away yeah but they died. well yeah. they, they lingered for a month because they were strong but they died so now what I'm saying is now that that first wave is passed on Okay. And pass through us. Has that somehow changed the you population? Mean have it, have, you mean have the population? I thought you were saying it hasn't changed the because basically they took the disease with them when they died. Well, not only do they take the disease with them, like let's say, which is why say, it's mutated. That's a, that's a theory that's that, been taking place for years and years which about is all why, kinds of diseases. Which is yeah. which is part of the mutation when the, the, the disease yeah. starts realizing and, if we're going to survive, right. we can't kill our host. Right, and well, in my brain right now is is working a little overtime, so I think yes, we're going to we have to take that. A, we're going to have <laughs> a break right after this, but. <laughs> let's let's just look at the numbers. Okay. This disease, when it came out, was enormous. It killed, I would say, close to 10 million people okay. on the planet. Right. Let's assume it's 10 million people. You're not including people who died because they couldn't see their doctors for other things. You're just talking I'm strictly talking about people. You died. Black, flat out right. COVID. You got COVID, you died. You okay. know, that, that little count we used to have on CNN that oh, yeah. after the election. 
So anyway, that still sticks in your oh, carotid. Oh yeah, it does. I mean, you gotta have it, keep it. You know. <laughs> so anyway, you you have these you have these all these people on the planet have died from it. What did they have in common? We don't. The answer is we don't know because we're talking about ten million people. Okay. Now we're talking about a planet that has six billion people in it. So obviously, ten million is a percentage of, of of six billion is point you know point zero or point five or whatever. So not a big percentage of the planet died off because of this, but a significant amount died off, more than usually dies off of anything. Right. So what I'm saying is that much like a peanut allergy, was there something called a COVID allergy that we don't know about? I'm talking about we don't know why. That's I'm just intriguing. That's I'm just intriguing. You know, you've had that's that's, that's the, the theory why about. that's the theory why people have celiac disease is that you know t- uh, many years ago, people who had a particular mutation survived the bubonic plague in northwestern Europe, and those people happen to have this kind of thing that later on their descendants are more susceptible to developing celiac disease. So right. that's like medical anthropology sort of like yeah that's that's, that's an interesting was, theory that's yeah where I was going. That, that's where okay. i was going that that yeah you know, maybe this is something that we're not going to know now and i hope there's enough dna collected from those cases especially the cases of people that were really super healthy got this thing it, it reacted with them in a bad way and we say oh it was due to this but or what do you define as super healthy I don't know. I mean, people that otherwise... yeah, that's actually the basis for sickle cell anemia and people who are carriers. Well, who have sickle the cell anemia, well, the sickle cell came from it was protective against malaria, which was rampant. Um, in... But that's why there's that advantage to having the sickle cell trait, ah. but not the presentation like there's a, like it's a it's an evolutionary advantage that just happens randomly and some virus or disease comes along and well, malaria comes along in that case and uh, and it's endemic and some people survive it because they have this mutation and some people have- Right, because they right. have this mutation, which is right. the cell, exactly. But now that we yeah. have modern medicine mm-hmm. that can fight malaria, right. it's right. a deadly- you know, Right, it's not an evolutionary advantage. Right, exactly. Yeah. And even within the same household, why is it that three people- that probably statistically have caught the same exact strain. Have different symptoms. So you're saying somebody possibly has an evolutionary mutation that happens to be an advantageous mutation that protects them or doesn't or has or doesn't have that. Right. Anyway, this is all uh, very interesting uh, food for thought, but we are going to have to take a break and we'll be right back. And we're back and let's talk about... There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. The potential long term treatment uh, for asthma that has been discovered. But, but before we jump into that, Lou, so do you feel like your brain has like slowed down? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. You're not but doing but now we're getting into a new not topic. Doing the permutation. So. Ah, he's going to get so wound I'm up. Still adding up how many people there are on Earth and dividing, you know, by the square root. But. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Let's get into asthma discovery. Researchers from Aston University and Imperial College London have identified a potential method to address one of the fundamental causes of asthma. In the UK, about 1,200 people die from asthma every year, and just under five and a half million get treatment for it. Asthma results in symptoms like wheezing and shortness of breath because the airways become thickened and constricted. Current treatments, such as steroids, give temporary relief from these symptoms by relaxing the airways or decreasing inflammation. However, no existing medications target the structural changes that asthma causes in the airway and lungs in order to provide a more long-lasting treatment. The study focused on a kind of stem cell known as pericyte, which is pericyte, which is located primarily in the lining of blood vessels. When asthmatics have an allergic and inflammatory reaction, such as to household dust mites, the pericytes migrate to the airway walls. Once there, the parasites mature into muscle cells and other cells that thicken and stiffen the airway. This movement of the parasites is triggered by a protein known as CXCL12. The researchers used a sorry, the researchers used a molecule called LIT-927 to block the signal from this protein by introducing it into the mice's nasal passages. Asthmatic mice that were treated with LIT-927 had a reduction in symptoms within one week and their symptoms virtually disappeared within two weeks. The researchers also found that the airway walls in mice treated with LIT-927 were much thinner than those in untreated mice, closer to those of healthy controls. Wow, that's good news. That's interesting. I'm looking forward to that coming to the market. But in the meantime, the Mayo Clinic lists a bunch of ways that you can help reduce asthma flares with diet changes. You know, I always have to throw in ah, <laughs> good old diet change. Diet. Well, it doesn't yeah, but it really is amazing. They, well, they, listen, they're doing studies on the thing, and it's not something that's to market, to my knowledge, yet. So they suggest, eat, the Myers Clinic suggests eating more fresh fruits and veggies, the dark and colorful stuff to fight inflammation. They say avoid sulfites found in wine, dried fruits, pickles, and fresh and frozen shrimp. And make sure to supplement with vitamin D. And by the way, don't let your doctor tell you that 25 or 30 nanograms per milliliter is sufficient because it's not. That is nowhere near enough to fight disease. You need to Wait, have somewhere for vitamin D or vitamin, vitamin C. Vitamin, vitamin D. Vitamin oh, D. you need to have at least fifty to sixty nanograms per milliliter. Fifty to sixty. What does that What does that translate into with like milligrams? Or are you talking about like you eat that or you're 
if you're going to take oh, when like you a do a blood test and yeah. they test your blood and you get oh your, oh 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 what should my numbers test. be because i just your had numbers should done. not be 25 or 30 that's not enough i it said needs... that to the doctor she's like, the oh, doctor. right oh the doctor was a nurse practitioner actually what it was the nurse practitioner. what which what did the doctor i wanted she's like no you're your vitamin D is fine. I, cause I had it tested just recently. And what well, was it again? I have to look, it was below 40. Oh my gosh. That's not enough. It has to be 50 to 60 and not, it right. should not exceed a hundred. Cause then, cause, I, cause I was like, I'm always prone to low vitamin D, but you see the, uh -huh. in, in the lab thing, you know how they flag when you go below. Yeah. So, so they give that range and right. that range is like, but it's know. a very low range. It's not, yeah, even, yeah, it's not enough to fight disease. Also in my family, we tend to run low on vitamin D. Like just seems to be like whatever our particular thing is. Mm. So like, I got, I'm going to go take some after this. Do we know <laughs> if that's effective is, is effective? Do you recommend a particular way of taking your vitamin D? Well, if you're not getting it, they are, people always say, oh, go get it in the sun. If you live in the, in the, in the North, yeah, I'm in the winter or, you, or yeah, just if you live cold. in the North or the, the Northwest or the Northeast, you're not going to take your coat off and it's yes. just not going to happen. Yes. You know, I mean, you have to be eating a, a, a diet that's, you know, very high in like fish and so forth. And a lot of people just don't, don't eat it. Fish is expensive. Yeah. You know, and a lot of people are concerned about mercury. So yeah. supplementing like, like functional medicine doctors will tell you like the one supplement they do get behind is vitamin D because they okay. don't, just don't get enough of it in their regular diet. So that said, 25 is like the cutoff for you're barely cutoff. getting by. It's, yeah, it's nothing. It's like it's okay. it's nothing really. It's like it's not it's, optimal. It's, it's right. Well, it's less than optimal. It's suboptimal. Right. It's like okay. insufficient. What's what's okay. it's deficient, basically. Okay. You know, I don't know where they came up with this value that 25 is sufficient. It's just not. Okay. So you need to have at least 50 to 60 is optimal. Okay. And you, you do not exceed 100 nanograms because if you exceed net 100 nanograms, then you're getting into toxicity because it's a ah. and you don't want to have those problems. So I just wanted to get that out. Yeah. So what do you guys think of this uh, new treatment? Well, I'll, I'll kick it off. You know, a long time ago. Before, oh, that's right. You've got asthma. Yeah, though. but before there was even medicine, you know, that and you eat thing. shrimp. Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I will before there was even uh, um, drugs that controlled it, you know, mm -hmm. people, you know, realized they had asthma or whatever, and they felt, okay, I'm going to treat this by eating healthy. I'm going to treat this by keeping my house clean, and I'm going to go from 10 episodes a year to two. Or moving to Arizona. Yeah, or, or somewhere. You, oh, you, yeah. That, the old days, it'd be like, you have to move to a drier climate. Yeah, yeah exactly. drier climate or somewhere. Yeah, you know. So so that is that was, you know, 100 years ago. Take my, what we call now modern medicine, and we started saying, okay, if you're having an attack, if you take XYZ, this will prevent it. Or if you're always having attacks, just take XYZ all the time. Uh, not prevent it, but make it better, um, uh, you know, inhalers and all that, or, you know, just take a drug, 
WXV or whatever. I'm just making up names here. And uh, you'll get a lot less episodes. So that's the stage that we're at right now. And we're at this right now, not only in asthma, but in every disease. Yeah. That you just basically take a medicine and it doesn't really cure you, but it makes the symptoms go away. It makes the episode go away. you kind of that. But, you know, if you've got GERD or you have a lot of things, you know, taking that anti-acid makes the symptom goes away. But, but it doesn't, doesn't deal with the underlying doesn't really cause. deal with the underlying right. Okay. Then the next step that we're, we, I would say we've mapped about half of diseases this way is we figured out that, oh, it's because of this protein or you've got this gene and all that. But that's a lot like that commercial that you see um, where they're robbing the bank and then the thing tells you, oh, by the way, your bank is being robbed and then nothing else happens. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. They just alert you to it. I'm just monitoring changes. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm just monitoring you. I'm just yeah. alerting you. I don't oh, actually yeah. do anything to stop it. Yeah. And, and all of a sudden they tell you, hey, you got this gene. You better, you better watch out. You know, the world's, you're going to hit with a meteor. But there's nothing they can do about it. Okay. And that was up until now. However, we're now moving into the world of let's fix your gene. Now, that's kind of dangerous, but great. So I'll start out with the great stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and as a lover of sci-fi, you know, you always see these movies that in the future, they give you this injection and all of a sudden all your maladies go away and everybody's yeah. years old. And hey, look, a lot of your stuff is genetic. And fixing these genetic problems is great and they just fix some genetic problems in mice and that's fantastic and I, I would be all for it in humans but when you start looking at genetics and messing with that whole code it's sort of like a computer program you think you're fixing it but now you've made your computer a lot worse so what you know what else are we unleashing when we do these things and that's why everybody's going very slow everybody's going very cautious it's it's very much like you know genetically altered food or vegetables or whatever they eat and we really don't know what the long-term effects of all of that is that we're putting into our bodies um especially this this is great this is the forefront of medicine this is where we're going to be in 25 40 50 years i don't know i i probably well, won't be able some to see people. it some people. Yeah. I mean, and this is still going to be largely unavailable for low Wow, well, it, it'll be it'll be just like any other medicine. It'll be completely unavailable to exactly. those that don't yeah. have money, don't have proper insurance. Right. Um, and hopefully I'd like to say that in 20 or 40 years society will be a little bit better about that, but I highly doubt it. Yeah. And um, and then after that, you know, in a hundred years, I, I think it's going to be common course where you're, you know, subjected to a genomic uh, evaluation. But also, on. I think from a from a financial uh, perspective, I can't see um, pharma getting behind something like that because, you know, to do to to alter something genetically would be to render the disease obsolete. And what happens uh, to all those a, cures? That's an interesting perspective. That whole, well, that whole machine goes belly up. Mm -hmm. So there is really no incentive for these technologies I, I, I to go. I beg to defer because the, the entry price is very expensive. 
that they're saying. And okay, and so then only the elite get it then. And well, everyone the well, else the has well to scuffle. Sure. Only I will and, get and, it. And, you know. Yeah, and everyone else has to scuffle. <laughs> so that I can pay. go home in my Range Rover or BMW. <laughs> it's the second time and, you drive a Range Rover into or this BMW, Or BMW. <laughs> I threw in a second one because, you know, God forbid, I only have one luxury. <laughs> And all of you driving Chevrolets are just going to have to, yeah, to, have to grin us, and bear us, it. Us plebeians. Exactly. It's a, watch me be healthy uh, while I am healthy. I, I, I don't think so. You know, I, I like to think that. That was a are, joke, right? Yeah. Okay. You know, <laughs> look, I, I like to think that. What are you are, really saying about this? What I'm saying is that this is the future of medicine. Yes, it is. And it is. what you're saying is that there's going to be some class differentiations as to people Obviously, that can afford just, this. just there always is. You also you said, is there money in this? And I said, oh, there's a lot of money in this. There's a lot of money in it, but there's not there's not money in it in so, in, in so far as curing the nation. Like the whole thing with genetic, the way they sold the genetic modification, mm. you know, food was we could feed the world. Well, the world is still hungry. Yeah. You know, it's this. just a way to keep insects away so that you can keep the, it's like what they did with bread, where they made bread so, so crazy that even mold doesn't want to eat it, you know, so it could stay on the shelf longer so that there's more <laughs> people can buy it. But what they don't realize or what they do realize and don't care is mm. that. You know, it's making people sick. So that's why I threw in my little bit about, you know, here's what you can do um, for asthma to, to sort of, you know, because this in the meantime, what can you do right now? Right. Thank you. Right. Thank you. You always say it so well, Jackie. Well, thank right. you. Yes. I'm 40 years from now. I've <laughs> <laughs> Who is future thinking? He Lucy is looking to the future. His- He's thinking about his fresh whips as he drives through laughs. Plebeian. Out of my way. I've got my treatment. I He's had good insurance. Over the hoi polloi. <laughs> what insurance do you have? <laughs> anyway. All right. So let's get on. You know, it's, it, I'm glad that we brought this up because mm. the next thing that I, I want to talk about, I want to get into the um, this week's topic. So as I said, I was going to talk about, you know, the plant-based diet myth, you know, that it's like so healthy and all that. And if it's done right, obviously it is, but a lot of people are not doing it right. We'll talk about that another time. What I want to talk about today, I was, um, you know, I get headlines, I get push notifications from all these different, you know, um, medical um, journals and stuff like that. And um, a story came across last night that I was like, whoa. And I know that people are probably tired of talking about it, maybe not, but I'm gonna talk about it anyway because I think it's really important. And I wanna talk about um, how monkeypox um, is taking the financial toll on low-income people. And um, this was a BuzzFeed article actually. Um, and it was talking about, these, it, you know, it was these two young men and um, let, let, let me just read. Okay. With little to no laws guaranteeing workplace, see, I don't like that they're making this about workplace sick leave, but I just, I wanna read it and I want you know, us to have a discussion. 
With okay. little to no laws guaranteeing workplace sick leave in the U.S., the lengthy quarantine period can put people who catch monkeypox in a precarious financial position long after their lesions heal. Things started to look up for Angelo Perry this summer. After months of interviews, he finally landed the job he so badly wanted at a warehouse near his home in Atlanta. On July 12th, he began the role, working full-time as a forklift operator. But just a few days later, he woke up with high fever and chills, his bed sheets drenched in sweat. His condition worsened from there, and soon he had rectal pain so severe he could barely go to the bathroom or even sit down. On July 19th, this is just seven days later, he went to the hospital where he tested positive for monkeypox. Wow. When Perry informed his supervisor about his condition, nothing seemed to be amiss. But about a week later, in the hotel room where he was quarantined, he tried to log onto his employee portal and discovered he no longer had access to it. That's how he realized he'd been fired. Mm. More than 20,000 Americans have been diagnosed with monkeypox, the virus that's been declared a national public health emergency during this ongoing outbreak. The CDC has advised those who contract it to isolate during for the duration of symptoms, which typically lasts two to four weeks. But with little to no loss guaranteeing workplace sick leave in the U.S., this lengthy quarantine period can put people who catch monkeypox in a precarious financial position long after their lesions heal. For some, it's meant turning to GoFundMe to survive. Zion Mackey, 23, had only just recovered from monkeypox when he began doing Instacart and Uber Eats deliveries. Though his symptoms had fully resolved, after which health officials say patients can safely stop quarantining, the restaurant where he worked as a server required written notice that he tested negative before returning. But the hospital that he'd initially tested at wouldn't test him again and instead referred him to a county epidemiologist who Mackie couldn't get an appointment with until weeks later. Oh. Let me read that again. The hospital that he'd initially tested at wouldn't test him again and instead referred him to a county epidemiologist and he couldn't get an appointment until weeks later. So that means that he That's had to the sit on the sidelines. Yeah. Exactly. Thank you. So let's get into it. Because this is this is the this to me is the heart of what the problem is. Yes. The problem is not that you're employed. Look. These positions have to be filled. They need bodies in these positions. So right. I don't want to talk about the fact that- So they're going to the say, employer. oh, it was stigmatized or, oh, we don't have workplace leave in this case. Yeah, but this is what he, he'd only know. been at the job for less than a week. Okay? Right. So you know what? The, what's the expression? What is it? Last hired, first fired. Right. I, you know, and that's unfortunate, but that's not what the big issue is. Right. The big issue is getting access to care. There is no reason why this young man should not have been able to go back, the other young man, the second young man, go back and get results showing that he's negative. This is the problem. Why do they, they, they have why to Why did the hospital him? refer him out like that? Why not... didn't they just test him again? I don't understand why they didn't just test him again. And then the epidemiologist is backed up for weeks and weeks. This man needs to go back to work for heaven's sake. So now he can't go back to work for weeks because they're not going to let him back without a negative test. And rightfully so, because he's in food service. Right. Well, here's the thing. 95% of our healthcare costs are not drugs. 95% is administration. And that administration is piss poor. Piss poor. 
because getting appointments, seeing specialists, you know, people having the ability to know what's urgent, what's not urgent, uh, you know, is is mind boggling. I, I mean, the the the, the hoops and and Tamara, you were telling me um, a, a story about this earlier off air that you've had a tough time getting an appointment for yourself. Oh my and, God, that's right. And, yeah. Wow. And, and you and, have you know, and it's yes, an You know, first the doctor tells you like, oh, just call here and we're gonna do all these wonderful things for you. Yeah, and then I, it becomes like well, I I'll let you tell. I didn't, yeah, I didn't want to make it the me show, but just <laughs> just in, in in keeping with the thread of the frustration of dealing with medical care. Okay, so when we last spoke about my whole, do you remember going back, going way back into the summer, where I found a doctor, and she said that she would remove the um the the little the clip. Right. And she would just remove it that, you know, right. they're, they're putting it in for liability reasons, but she's just going to remove it that, you know, okay. I, all I have to do is ask and she'll go ahead and she'll have it removed. Very good. Okay. Now. So that was in July. Okay. We're in September now. I had an appointment scheduled for the beginning of September. Well, so I got a call mid-August saying that the MRI machine is broken, so they can't do my MRI-assisted biopsy. Okay. I said, well, that's two weeks. You mean to tell me you can't get your machine fixed within two weeks? No, we're canceling all appointments right now. We'll call you back um, when we um, either we have the machine fixed or, you know, we're going to call you back with another appointment. Well, the young lady who does all the scheduling, the nurse, she went on vacation. Okay. So I've been calling, calling, calling and trying to get a new appointment. And I have not been able to get through to have somebody make me a new appointment. A week later, someone finally picked up the phone. I must have left this woman like, I can't even count how many messages I left. Um, and it's just like these long messages, just getting longer and longer because I'm like having conversations with no one. Oh, geez. Yeah, it's got to that point. So then finally someone picks up. She says, oh, you know, um, we have a list here of people and I see that you're on that list. Um, let me please call you back tomorrow. I've got to find out if the machine should be fixed by now, but I've got to confirm. And then we've got to get you all rescheduled. So the day, the, yes, so tomorrow came and went. I called back a couple of days later. Didn't get anyone called back oh the next my day. Gosh. I said, Hey, you know, um, you were supposed to call me XYZ day and I didn't hear from you. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's just been so crazy and it's been so busy. Blah, blah, blah. I'm really sorry about that. Can you call me next week? So at this point, I'm silent because I'm like, It's practically September now. <laughs> it is September now. Oh. What do you mean, call you back next week? Well, can you call me next week at this day at this time? And I'm just sitting there like, I don't want to explode at her because that's not going to be very helpful. Okay. But I'm like, why is she asking me to call her back? I'm on the phone now. And I said to her, I said, look, you know, look, I don't mind calling you, but this is becoming really unproductive because most of the time I call, I don't even get a person. And now that I got a person, you're telling me call you back next week. How do I know if I even get a person next week? You, you know, like... I can't keep doing this. Like I have to work. Well, and then she came up with like a million reasons why she didn't have the information now. And can you call me next week? 
So I said, fine, I'll call. Because at the end of the day, I'm not going to argue with her. I, right. I don't feel like going through this all over again. And this is how this is how people end up with. You just get so frustrated. Well, it you... gets frustrating. But also, this is what happens. This is how when someone starts off with stage one. And I'm not saying I have cancer, but this is how somebody starts Yeah, and before you know it, you're in stage, stage two, one, three. And then next thing you know, you're in stage, exactly. Yeah. Because of this kind of nonsense. Unnecessary delay. Yeah, and then the stress of trying to create the appointment yes. either. So you've got the stress and then you've got the delay. Right. Now, I actually have time to make these calls. Just imagine somebody who has to work at a terminal, who has to work at a, you know, a who can't work at a desk and can't have right, access. Exactly. To phone. Doesn't have access to a phone to just pick up the phone and call whenever they want to. This is how so many people get left behind by medicals, the medical system. Yes. You have people on, on the one end, the providers who are trying to do the right thing. And then you have the support people on the other hand. It's not that they're, they're well-meaning. It's not that they're bad people, but they don't understand that these kinds of delays are costing people. It's costing people. And it costs you more money to have to fight at stage two than it would yes. at stage one, you know, or stage zero. Like they don't understand the big picture of the decisions that they make. So now getting back to this monkeypox thing, What's happening is because these people have, um, thank you, because these people, you know, are only thinking about their little silos and their little, you know, jobs, they're not thinking about the larger implications of They're not thinking about the patient. No, they're not thinking, okay, I've got to get this patient uh, a letter so that he can get back to work. It's a simple thing, really, right? Make an appointment because the, the person needs a letter to get back to work. They're getting paid for this regardless. I don't understand why we've dropped the ball on this disease so badly. And what's happening is like the people that, you know, there's like all this talk about, you know, people getting left behind and inequity and all this other stuff, but there is nothing done to fix the inequity because at the end of the day, you're giving people a fifth of the dose of the vaccine. What the hell is that supposed to do to keep somebody who's exposed to a lot of people? Let's say you work at a gas station and you're handling money. Right. You're not making a lot of money. So you're not eating, you know, an organic diet, you know, that's rich in polyphenols. Berries are not filling. Do you know what I'm saying? Like yes. people are not necessarily eating right. that kind of food because it's not filling food. They're eating food that fills their bellies. And the food right. that fills their bellies that's cheap enough to do is not the food that's going to really nourish them and keep their immune system strong and healthy, you know? And then I had the financial stress, you know, that creates the, the distress, the emotional and mental distress that, uh, that weighs on the body. You've got all of these, these things creating a perfect storm of unhealthy, lower income people that are exposed firsthand to this disease and they can't get the care that they need. If you're working, I, I read something that was like so uh, terrible in this, that 40% of the of the vaccines for the virus are going to basically higher income people. Why? Because we can sit at our computers and we can refresh, refresh, refresh. And, yes. and then if the appointment is at two, two o'clock in the afternoon, no problem. I'll just put my computer on, on hold and I'll just put my sneakers on. I'll just right. go get my appointment and then I get back to work. 
I can't do that if I work at, at Amazon, Correct. at an Amazon warehouse. I can't right. do that if I work uh, as a cashier at a supermarket. I can't do that if I work in a fast food place. I can't do that if I work in a gas station. So they've made it, and, and I can't be on my phone. I can't sit there and right. refresh and refresh. I'll get fired for being on my phone. Right. For, yeah. That's right. So they have created a system. Were you telling me, Lou, that in Florida, you can literally just walk into a place and just get vaccinated? Yep. This is ridiculous. Wow. People should be able to, to, to have the, the expectation. This is not like coronavirus where we have to figure this disease out right. and create something. This we already know of. We know that pox exists. We have the cures for these things. We have the vaccinations rather. And we're just not making it accessible to people. And it is ruining people's lives. Just ruining their lives for no other reason than inefficiency. It's, it's, it's heartbreaking, you know, that these, that these young men now have to go. They don't have insurance because they can't afford insurance. They've been exposed to this dreadful disease and now they've lost their jobs. Don't tell me that, you know, it's about the fact that they lost their jobs. If I'm an employer, I don't want to be on the hook for somebody, you know, paying insurance for someone who just started um, day one and day three, they're out. Get out of here. Miss me with that noise. Okay. But the, at the end of the day, this person should be able to go to a local hospital or a local clinic and be able to get that care. And then there's the fact that if you, because there's so much stigma attached to it, yeah. if you go and you say, look, I need this. Well, what do you need it for? Yeah. What does it matter? I need it. You know, do I have to tell you my sexual orientation? Yeah. How is that your business? I need it's so, but, but, but that's how they set it up that you have to be like, I can't go and say, I need the monkeypox vaccine. I have to give justification. I have to jump through hoops. Right. Because right. I have to jump through hoops. I have to literally be a gay man or a man that sleeps with men. Do I really want to out myself because I need care? This is patently ridiculous. And this is the crux of the problem. And I wish people would stop trying to make it, you know, somebody else's problem. At the end of the day, our systems are failing people, failing them. This is, this is state problem. This is not private employer's problem. This is a state's problem. And the state needs to get off their ass and get their act together and stop coddling workers and really take care of people. And that's what I have to say about that. You guys here, here. Wow. You've made quite a case. (laughs) I I have to agree with you. I feel like, yeah, I'm a believer. (laughs) Yeah. So that is nothing really. So I was also reading this other article and they were talking about the ways to avoid um, monkeypox. And so they talked about the ways that uh, you can get it. And so one is direct skin to skin contact. So it would have to be prolonged skin to skin contact, like maybe hugging somebody, you know, skin to skin. So not like, necessarily um, shaking like hands. a handshake. No. Okay. So a handshake is not long enough. And plus you can wash your hands. Right. Okay. Afterwards. It's really more like, um, you know, giving somebody like a big hug and then, you know, you rub the shoulders. Oh, how are you? And that kind of thing. Um, It's not light brushes. So they're saying that you you don't really have to be worried about, 
you know, if you shake someone's hand or fist bump or something like that, you just wash your hands afterwards. If you're going to hug somebody, make sure you're fully covered and don't make it a long lingering hug. You know, we were doing the elbow bump for a while with the COVID. And I think, mm -hmm. you know, we should go back to that. Go back to the surfaces, touching contaminated surfaces, objects, or fabrics. Um, it's funny, you know, um, Lou and I were going somewhere and he saw somebody with a mask and gloves on waiting at a bus stop and he starts laughing at the guy. And I was like, no, this guy, that, that would be me. Right. He's <laughs> absolutely right. Do yeah. you really want to be touching the pole on the bus? And yeah. then, you know, you've got some friggin' monkey pots. I think not. So this guy who had his mask on pretty smart. and his gloves on was absolutely doing the right thing. <laughs> don't, because you don't know who touched it before you, especially in, in public transportation. And airborne transmission. You want to make sure to wear your mask. I'm very disappointed that this city has gone to a you do you campaign where it's like you can wear a mask and you don't wear a mask. But Are whatever. you seeing people wearing masks at the grocery store? Um, some people, most people okay. are not. But you know, nobody it. makes a big deal about whether, Correct. like, we're, we're, thankfully, we're not in an environment where people try to, you know, shame you for wearing Good. a mask. You know, some right. people wear a mask. Most people don't wear a mask. That's okay. I just don't want people trying to make me feel some sort of way for wearing a mask because I'm going to stay wearing right. a mask. Right. I exactly. urge you, too, to wear mm. your mask because monkeypox is not a joke. This will take you out. Anyway, um, you know, go to Urban Health Weekly for the links to these articles. That's a very good article, that particular one, yeah, too, because yeah. it it also has good, like, drawings and figures. It really shows show it, you what. A, yeah, exactly. Yes. It's really good. So anyway, it'll be on Urban Health Weekly. Um, you know, check it out and fortify yourself. Because remember, you only have one life and one body. You've got to do your best to make it count so your years are full of life and full of health. Remember, people. Information equals transformation. So small steps each day and you'll see a difference. I am sure of it. That's all the time we have today. Um, you and my lovely co-host. It's great to talk to you always. Mwah. Right. I'm sending one to you too, Luke. Mwah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bye. All right, bye. Thanks for listening to Urban Health Weekly today. I hope you'll join me and my friends next week so you can stay informed and inspired to take control of your health. See you next time.